Rick will be teaching from Matthew 5, 3 through 16 this morning. And it says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Body? All right. It doesn't really count if I have to goad you into it. Um, let's, uh, let's pray and ask God to be with us as we study his word. God, thanks so much for this morning. I thank you for your son, Jesus, um, and all that he is and all that's happened to bring us to this time and this place to hear your message this morning, Father. Uh, you are so good, and you have been so good to us, most notably in your son, Jesus, Father. And we, we trust you this morning, and we ask now that you would just center our eyes and our minds and our hearts and uh, um, our, our thoughts around you this morning, Father. Free us from distraction and allow us to hear what you have to say to us. You are, you are so good, and you are so worthy, and uh, we give our lives to you this morning. In Christ's perfect name I pray. Amen. Um, so we're concluding our series this morning, Pursuit of Happiness, um, with this sermon this morning. And Kelly read the, the whole of the Beatitudes this morning. And the Beatitudes all start with this word, blessed. And um, if you've been with us for a while, there's several of us here, some new folks from Texas. They know who are on a mission trip this week. Um, we've talked about this word, blessed, and blessed means Happiness, the most strict definition of the word blessed means happiness, but there's, it's a deeper meaning than that. Um, this word blessed is not just happy, it's satisfied, it's completely satisfied, um, full, um, it's the opposite of empty. And so when Jesus says this about you, you can be full, you can be completely satisfied with these things and... Um, and the Beatitudes are, are those things, and they, they build upon one another. Um, one of the, the illustrations we used is that the Beatitudes are like gears, and uh, fire that little looping video up. Um, I, I want you to see this. Each one of the Beatitudes are like these gears that are 
continually reliant upon the one before it and the one after it. And, the, and they, they interact with one another. They make each other turn. So, so your blessedness, and not just blessedness in the, the religious term sense, but in your, your satisfaction, and we're all striving and seeking and, and, and laboring and suffering and, and sacrificing to be happy. Like, that's who we are as people. We have this, this sense in us to labor and suffer to be happy. And Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount, talking to his disciples, and as he got away from the crowds, he went and talked to just a few people. He says these things, satisfied you will be when these things are true of you. And each one of the Beatitudes rely upon the one before it and the one after it to bring you complete and utter satisfaction. So I, I, I want to like put that in front of us as we talk this morning, as we think. like like We, a lot of times in church, we, we think that Maybe like our, it's wrong for us to, to pursue with vigor our happiness. But Jesus pleads with us in his first real public teaching. He's saying this, like pursue your happiness. Like here's a, a pastor standing in front of you saying, pursue with abandon your happiness. Pursue with abandon this, this desire to be satisfied. Jesus wants you to be satisfied, but he brings in front of you ways for you to be satisfied. And the cool part about him, and I think that, that for, for me, I, I've known this about the Beatitudes, but teaching through them has it, really brought them to light to know that each one of them is dependent upon the one before and the one after. So um, I want to walk through these things together. But, but before I do, I, I want to look out here. Check out this, this, uh, this courtyard. It's pretty ugly, right? It's, it's, you can be, if you're a guest here, it's, it's okay. We're, we're real with each other. Like one of our, our values is true. So let's just be real together. Can we just be real together and look at that's ugly, right? Somebody give me some like verbal affirmation. It's disgusting. Thank you, Josh. Well, disgusting might be a bit much. Um, so, but, but the center part there, I want you to look at that center part. Like, so last spring, uh, my wife Jen and I and Cooper, we dug out that center part and uh, like spent three or four hours digging out weeds and pulling out weeds. And there's this thing, thing called nut sedge. Somebody, you guys know what nut sedge is? And so it, it's a, it looks like a grass, but it grows really quickly, and it's just ugly. And so that was filled with nutsedge about knee-high when we started. And so we, we dug it all out, and we know that nutsedge is bad, and so we dug it all out, and then we sprayed some stuff, and it looked good for a, a couple of weeks. And we planted some hostas around the outside. Hopefully those hostas will poke themselves up in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. And then we covered it in mulch. It was beautiful. It was perfect. There was nothing. It looked really good. And we cleaned up the edges uh, around it, and it was great. But, like, look at it now. It's, it's a year later in the spring, and it looks just as bad or worse than it did when we first started. And the point is, like, life is, is cyclical. Things happen in our lives where we, we feel really close to God, and then much later we feel really far from God. Or much, sometimes we, we look beautiful, but, like, life is going to happen and, and the thing is, like, we didn't, we didn't do anything to make this look ugly. Like, the, where we left it, where it, it looked really good. That's where we left it. But the natural occurrence of events is, like, it's going to eventually look bad. And so I want you to, I want you to see that in your—I want you like, look at your life as that garden. 
Like there's nothing that like you have to decide. I'm going to do this, and I'm and because I'm going to do this, I'm going to look bad. I'm going to like. We're all broken sinners. The first beatitude is about poverty of spirit and acknowledgement that we are sinful, broken people. Like you don't have to, you don't have to do anything to 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 be that. And the same thing left to our own devices, we're going to wind up there. And and maybe that's where you find yourself today. You walk into this place, and I feel like I'm in a I'm in a spot where I look like that. But our our natural response is to work hard and try hard and clean up. Like my wife and I did to clean up and put and cover up the weeds. But those weeds, like they're still there. And we're going we're gonna to dig them out and they're still going to be there. And in a year, if we don't pay attention to it, they're going to come back. We try to cover up our own ugly. And let, let, me, let, me, let me say something to you. Like you can't cover your ugly. It is what it is. The only hope that we have to change anything within us is Christ. And, and that's like, this is the gospel that I want to just proclaim to you and I want to proclaim from this microphone for the rest of my life. Is there's not, like, Scripture never, ever gets excited about somebody's own ability to clean themselves up. Scripture does get excited about Christ's ability to clean you up. But Jesus here, talking about the cyclical nature of the thing that's happening with us, just like those gears, and just like every year that's going to get ugly if we don't work at it. Like this, is, this is the picture God wants to say to you, is that he is your hope. And the Beatitudes are there. So fire this first one. So this is, um, these are thoughts about each one of the Beatitudes as they roll through. So, blessed are the poor in spirit means this. The poverty of spirit is awareness of yourself and your sin. The first step to your happiness, to your satisfaction, to your complete and utter fulfillment, and we all deeply desire to be happy and fulfilled and satisfied. The first step there. Christ says, and now I say to you, is to understand that you are a broken, wretched sinner. And we're among broken, broken, wretched sinners. The person next to you, their sin likelihood is, has rubbed up against you and frustrated you. Maybe even this week. The per, especially if you're, 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 you guys are on a mission trip together. Somebody in this group is going to get on your nerves. And you're going to talk to somebody who's your, who's your good friend here. And you're going to talk about how that person's getting on your nerves this week. Because... We're all broken people, and we do broken things to each other, and that leaves us more broken, and that leaves us more broken, and that leaves us more broken, and it's this never-ending vicious cycle that Christ enters into and, and pulls it out and makes it beautiful. So there's nothing about me, there's nothing about you, there's nothing about the people in this church that's of any value apart from Christ. So, acknowledgement of the poverty of our spirit is awareness of self and our own sin, which in turn creates in us, hit the next one, Abe, a deep mourning and sorrow for your sin. So when you come to grips with your own sin, and, and you really honestly deal with it, and you see the ugly that's present in you, that creates a mourning in you, like you feel bad and you're broken, like Christ is, is this beautiful person, so incredible, so beautiful, and he loves us so much. And then when you see your sin, and you see your sin that put him on the cross, in a couple of weeks we're going to celebrate Good Friday, and we're going to talk about the cross, and talk about how it is our sin that put him on the cross. 
And if we really come to grips with that and understand who he is and what he did, it breaks us and we wind up mourning. We wind up deeply sorrowful. But here's the good news. Two pieces of good news about that. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are broken over who they are. Happy, satisfied. But then the the even better part is Jesus does not leave you there. While we are broken people, mourning about our brokenness, Jesus comes and enters into that situation. And not just enters into that situation, but also was, had to deal with all of the stuff that you have to deal with. All the pressures, all the temptations, all the sin, all the brokenness. Jesus dealt with it all. And he offers his life behind it. So, poverty of spirit creates a deep mourning. And that deep mourning creates, hit the next one, Abe, this understanding that you are confidently reliant upon Jesus. The word that Jesus uses in the scripture here is meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And this word meekness, we get wrong a lot. We think it's just this, this sweet little old lady that, you know, is demure and whatever. But that's not meekness. That's a, that's a piece of meekness. What Christ is talking about when he says happy, satisfied are the meek is that they are confidently reliant upon him, which means you've got nothing to offer him. Like the most godly person you've ever met and you've ever known, the person that like if you could like put up on a pedestal, this is the person. That person has nothing that they can offer to Jesus, nothing they can offer to God. Anything that they are is because of what he's done. Blessed are the meek. And underst- meek means an understanding that you are confidently reliant upon Jesus. So this awareness of our sin leads to a mourning, which leads to us being completely reliant upon Jesus, which creates a hunger and a thirst to be like Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We can insert Christ there. This, when we really deal with these, and again, gears that are reliant on the one before and the one after to completely be who they are. Jesus creates in you this hunger, this thirst to be like him, to understand him, to be near him. This is, this is the beatitude. So uh, a poverty of spirit, awareness of your sin creates this mourning, which creates this confident reliance upon Jesus, which creates this hunger and thirst to be like Jesus. And then um, this an acknowledgement of your need for help and leads you to help others. This is, you might remember this one, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. The word mercy means help for the afflicted. So all of this stuff creates this, this notion in that you are fully aware of your need. You have an affliction. You have a brokenness. You have a propensity to sin. But Jesus has entered into that and shown you mercy. He's helped you in your affliction. And then he, he sends you to go and enter into others' afflictions. That's why you guys are here on this trip this week. As you, God has helped you in your affliction, and you're like, you know what? I feel like God is calling me to go and do this. And you wind up in North County in St. Louis from Texas going to bring help to an affliction. And this is the call. No matter who you are, where you are, what you think you're doing in this spectrum of Christ, if you think you're far from Jesus or near to Jesus, the call is he has brought you help in your affliction and he sent you to help in others' afflictions. The most immature believer that's among us, God has sent you to be on mission with his mercy, with his help for afflictions. So after we've acknowledged our need for help, and we've been led to go and help others, he creates in us a pure heart. 
This, and this is, the, this is the beautiful dichotomy of Christ. The first one is blessed are the poor in spirit. You are realizing that you are deeply ugly. And it gets to the place where you are pure in heart, just like Jesus. Here's the, the beautiful truth. There's nothing in this world that you have done that Jesus has not overcome. And as a result... God sees you the exact same way that he sees Jesus. Look back out to that ugliness that we talked about is just ugly. This is not how Christ sees you. Christ sees you beautiful. God sees you beautifully. God has created a pure heart for you. And blessed are those happy, satisfied, fulfilled not empty, are those who understand and realize all that Jesus has done to make this happiness in you. Isn't that? Like, that's, that's beautiful. It's what Christ intends for us. So this pure heart creates in us a desire to live with a purpose of making peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Just bringing sides together. Bringing those at odds with one another together. Most notably, in our world, in our situations, in our, our relationships, there's a likely person that you can think of that just doesn't like God or is angry at God or is angry at Jesus or more angry at, at Christians, angry at people. Christ is called, when you have fully engaged with him and seen your sin and all these things that, that kind of lean on each other, all these gears, it brings you to this place where you become a peacemaker, someone sent to go and bring the peace of Christ to your world. And happy, satisfied are those. Uh, and then hit the, hit the next one, Abram. People, all of this creates this thing of people trying to tear you down. And it's a... This is a, a difficult place to be because uh, this talks about reviling the, the, the actual beatitude. Blessed are those, blessed are you when others revile you or say evil things about you, say evil untruths about you, is when you engage this world. Because here's the fact, like our um, most, a lot of the, the, the Christians in this world are broken people who do broken things and give Christians a bad name. And I, I, there are many times where I just hate myself that I am the picture of Christ to people that are in my world and I know the depth of my own sin. And I, like, I don't want to be a commercial for Jesus because I know I'm a, I'm a sinful, broken man who gets angry, who, who tells lies, who lusts, who all these things are, are real about me. But yet Jesus somehow in his plan has decided to send me as his agent. That just doesn't make sense to me. People are broken and do broken things. And they try to tear people down. Then hit the next one, Abram. Um, all of these things work together. The first, those first few statements there wind up with you completely satisfied and you sent. I want, you to, I want you to understand and, and the, the beautiful cyclical nature of it. And, and this, this ugly garden out there is a perfect example of that. We see that. Jesus sees beauty. Because he's changing you. And it's not a, like a, 
like here on this earth and this planet, it's not a like you're changed and you're done. Like if we were here this time last year, this exact day last year, that would look really pretty. But it gets to the point where it's really ugly again. But it doesn't change that Jesus still sees you as beautiful. Let me say this to you. I want you to look at me right now, and, and, and I want you to, to hear me saying Jesus' words to you. When he sees you, he sees beauty. No matter what it is, where, what's happened in your world, what's happened in your life, what's happened in your heart, what's happened in your heart this morning, Jesus sees you as beautiful because of the work that he's accomplished on the cross. It's it's who he is. I, I'm, I've taken to want to do this from time to time. Let's do this again. I think let's just pause for a second. I'm going to pray and then give us 30 seconds to a minute of silence to just ponder the beauty. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. God, allow us now to just consider the beauty of who you are. the beauty of what you've done and our complete and utter acceptance. God, thanks for moments to, to sit awkwardly silent. Um, allow us to engage your gospel this morning. Thank you for Jesus in his name. Amen. So I've talked a lot about you um, being completely satisfied, but I want to spend the last few minutes this morning talking about you being sent as an agent, you being sent as a vessel of Jesus. Um, Verse 16, the last of our verses in in Matthew 5, says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may see, so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, You are sent into this world to be light and to be salt, and that means you bring tastiness, you bring um, vibrancy. This is Christ has brought this for you and given this to you to go and bring vibrancy to life. the, the phrase that I, I want to leave with you and is going to hit that, that next slide that I want you to, to, to see for the rest of the week is be awake to the glory of God that's in you. I want you to, to see that. No matter who you are, where you, where you find yourself on the spectrum of nearness to God, I want verse Matthew 5, 16 speaks to you that Jesus wants you to be aware Be awake to the glory of God that is in you. Um, There's a phrase that bouncing around our world these days called woke. You need to be woke. And I'm I'm a 40, uh, how old am I? I'm a 48-year-old white guy, um, so I can't use woke. Um, But for those of you who, who can, be woke. 
to this fact. The glory of God is in you. Be awake to the fact that the, the glory of God is in you. The glory of God is in you. Be awake. And God's plan, and, and listen, God could do anything that he wanted to do in his plan. He's sovereign. And he could choose his way to do whatever he wanted to do. The way that he decided to choose and, and spread his message is for the glory of God, his beauty, his majesty, his perfection, his profound glory. Everything, the most beautiful thing on this earth is not as beautiful as what he has placed in his followers. Think, consider that. God's glory is everywhere. Scripture says God's glory is everywhere. In the birth of a child, in, in the, the beauty of his creation, and in the love that a, a, a man feels for his wife, the glory of God is there. But there's nothing as beautiful as the glory that he's put in you. Be awake to the glory of God in you. God's plan is for that glory to explode in you. Even the beautiful part, like he's not... He's not five minutes away from saying that you are a wretched, broken, sinful person. How does that happen? You are, ro- a, you are the ugly weeds, but my glory is in you. That's incredible. I, I can't wrap my mind around that. What would it look like for us to be awake for the, to the glory of God that's in us, to go and and press that glory into our worlds, that when other people's sin rubs up against us, that we, we love them as Christ loved them. Or, probably more appropriate and more, um, more effectual for us, is what happens when we see our own sin? Does that cause us to spiral? Does that cause us to to, to fret and to suffer and, and to run from God because we don't believe that we belong in his presence. Be awake to the glory of God that's in you. What would it look like for us to press into this idea to go and be salt and light to the people around us if we earnestly prayed that God would wake us up to the glory that's in us? Sin is real Yet glory is real. Um, be awake to the glory of God that's working its way into us. And then understand that you are sent into your world to be this glory. Um, there's a story of someone that I know. I want to tell you this situation. Uh, this lady that I know has been reaching out to uh, a single mom in her neighborhood. And this, uh, this single mom has some health issues that have caused her lots of problems, and her kids are, are older, and it's just a really tough struggle. And this lady has been investing and loving this woman uh, very selflessly for several months now. And um, this lady is relating the story to me that she says uh, that the single mom is distrustful of people and she's been hurt not just by church people but just hurt by people in general people lie people cheat people people take from her and i'm sure she has something to do with that um but 
this brokenness that's real about her has brought her to the place that everyone wants to take from her. And she can't trust anybody. But this lady that I know is investing in loving this girl selflessly for, for no reason. She's not gaining anything from this. She's not gaining notoriety. In fact, if she knew I was telling the story, she would make, make certain that I didn't share her name because she doesn't want anything from this, from this relationship. Other than to be sent because she's awake to the glory of God that's in her. She's awake to the glory of God that's in her. So what happens with this distrustful, sick, single mother who can't take care of her children well because she's sick? She comes to my friend and says, Why? What are you, why? Why, why are you doing this? Because she's distrustful. She wants to understand, what are you getting out of this? And her answer was, I love you. And the beauty of all of that is it's just a simple, sweet little picture of Christ. Like, as the single mom said to my friend, why? So we could say to Christ, why? Why are you doing this? Distrustful in all that we are. Skeptical in all that we are. Why are you doing this? And the answer, because I love you. Like that just buckles my knees. This is the creator of the universe, God, sent his son Jesus to come to this planet to suffer and be broken and live among ugliness and be abandoned, be reviled, be destroyed. Yet, he did, and he loves us. Be awake, be awake to the glory of God that's in you and understand that Jesus has done everything that's necessary even when he, like this is the, the, the part about the, the cyclical nature of the Beatitudes that just drives me to, to worship him. Is that like the first one, awareness of our own brokenness and our own propensity to this sin. And God sends us, like he knows, like my heart right now is really full. I want to go out and tell everybody about Jesus. But the likelihood I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and be like, this whiny and this sucks and like my kids are going to yell at each other. They're going to fight and, and I'm going to get hungry and I'm going to get tired and I'm going to get crabby. And all of this Jesus stuff is going to be far from me. Forget that. But even in that moment, be awake to the glory of God that's in you. Do you, do you see the, like, just the unbelievable beauty of that? We are terrible people and rub up against other terrible people and broken sin. And we break the heart of God on a daily basis. But even in the middle of that, Jesus proclaims to you that you are happy when you, you are satisfied when you come to that place where you realize your own brokenness. And yet, he sends those broken, terrible, awful people like you and I into our world awake to the fact that the glory of God resides in us. And we get to be with him. Um, 
Let's, uh, let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. God, thank you for the glory of, of you that's in us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. God, I pray for those here in this place this morning, Father, who may be dealing with their past and believing lies that their past nullifies them or disables them to come into your presence, Father. God, I pray for those hearts right now that you would break into their their spirits and their souls, Father, and proclaim your truth that you love them. God, I pray that we would be awake to the glory of you. We'd be awake to the gospel. And that we would live our lives as people changed by you. God, I thank you for the struggle. God, I thank you for my own struggle with sin that allows me to see you as so incredibly gracious. See you as a, a giver of steadfast love that never changes in spite of who I am. God, I thank you for Jesus who while I was still a sinner died for the forgiveness of our sins paying the penalty that we couldn't pay. God, guide us now as we respond to your truth, Father. Allow us to to really consider and think about who you are and what you've done. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his perfect name that I pray. Amen.